Chapter Four of Under the Lilac by Louisa May Alcott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. His story. I ran away from a circus, began Ben, but got no further, for Bab and Betty gave a simultaneous bounce of delight, and both cried out at once, "We've been to one! It was splendid!" You wouldn't think so if you knew as much about it as I do," answered Ben, with a sudden frown and wriggle, as if he still felt the smart of the blows he had received. We don't call it splendid, do we, Sancho? he added, making a queer noise which caused the poodle to growl and bang the floor irefully with his tail, as he lay close to his master's feet, getting acquainted with the new shoes they wore. How came you there? asked Mrs. Moss, rather disturbed at the news. Why, my father was the wild hunter of the plains. Didn't you ever see or hear of him? said Ben, as if surprised at her ignorance. Bless your heart, child. I haven't been to a circus this ten years, and I'm sure I don't remember what or who I saw then, answered Mrs. Moss, amused, yet touched by the son's evident admiration for his father. "'Didn't you see him?' demanded Ben, turning to the little girls. "'We saw Indians and tumbling men, and the bounding brothers of Borneo, and a clown, and monkeys, and a little mite of a pony with blue eyes.' "'Was he any of them?' answered Betty innocently. "Pooh! He didn't belong to that lot. He always rode two, four, six, eight horses to once, and I used to ride with him till I got too big. My father was an A number one, and didn't do anything but break horses and ride em, said Ben, with as much pride as if his parent had been a president. Is he dead? asked Mrs. Moss. I don't know. I wish I did. And poor Ben gave a gulp as if something rose in his throat and choked him. Tell us all about it, dear, and maybe we can find out where he is said Mrs. Moss, leaning forward to pat the shiny dark head that was suddenly bent over the dog. "'Yes, ma'am, I will, thank ye,' and with an effort the boy steadied his voice and plunged into the middle of his story. "'Father was always good to me, and I liked being with him after Granny died. I lived with her till I was seven, then father took me, and I was trained for a rider.' You just oughter have seen me when I was a little feller, all in white tights and a gold belt and pink riggin' standin' on father's shoulder or hangin' on to old general's tail and him gallopin' full pelt or father ridin' three horses with me on his head, wavin' flags and everyone clappin' like fun. Oh, weren't you scared to pieces? asked Betty, quaking at the mere thought. Not a bit. I liked it. So should I, cried Bab enthusiastically. Then I drove the four ponies in the little chariot when we paraded, continued Ben, and I sat on the great ball up top of the grand car drawed by Hannibal and Nero. But I didn't like that, cause it was awfully high and shaky, and the sun was hot, and the tree slapped my face, and my legs ached holding on. What's Hanny Bells and Nero's? demanded Betty. Big elephants, 
father never let em put me out there and they didn't darst till he was gone then i had to else they'd a thrashed me didn't any one take your part asked mrs moss yes um most all the ladies did they were very good to me specially amelia she vowed she wouldn't go on in the tunnymunt act if they didn't stop knocking me round when i wouldn't help old buck with the bears so they had to stop it cause she led first rate and none of the other ladies rode half as well as Melia. bears oh do tell about them exclaimed bab in great excitement for at the only circus she had seen the animals were her delight buck had five of em cross old fellers and he showed em off i played with em once just for fun and he thought it would make a hit to have me show off instead of him but they had a way of clawin and huggin that wasn't nice and you could never tell whether they were good-natured or ready to bite your head off buck was all over scars where they'd scratched and bit him and i wasn't going to do it and i didn't have to owin to miss st john standin' by me like a good one who was miss st john asked mrs moss rather confused by the sudden introduction of new names and people why she was melia mrs smithers the ringmaster's wife his name wasn't montgomery any more'n hers was st john they all changed him to something fine on the bills you know father used to be senior jose montebello and i was master adolphus bloomsbury after i stopped being a flying cupid and an infant prodigy mrs moss leaned back in her chair to laugh at that greatly to the surprise of the little girls who were much impressed with the elegance of these high-sounding names go on with your story ben and tell why you ran away and what became of your pa she said composing herself to listen really interested in the child well you see father had a quarrel with old smithers and went off sudden last fall just before the tentin season was over he told me he was goin to a great ridin school in new york and when he was fixed he'd send for me i was to stay in the museum and help pedro with the trick business he was a nice man and i liked him and melia was goin to see to me and i didn't mind for a while but father didn't send for me and i began to have horrid times if it hadn't been for melia and sancho i would have cut away long before i did what did you have to do lots of things for times was dull and i was smart smithers said so anyway and i had to tumble up lively when he gave the word i didn't mind doing tricks or showing off sancho for father trained him and he always did well with me but they wanted me to drink gin to keep me small and i wouldn't cause father didn't like that kind of thing i used to ride tip-top and that just suited me till i got a fall and hurt my back but i had to go on all the same though i ached dreadful and used to tumble off i was so dizzy and weak what a brute that man must have been why didn't melia put a stop to it asked mrs moss indignantly she died ma'am and then there was no one left but sanch so i ran away then ben fell to patting his dog again to hide the tears he could not keep from coming at the thought of the kind friend he had lost what did you mean to do 
find father. But I couldn't, for he wasn't at the riding school, and they told me he had gone out west to buy mustangs for a man who wanted a lot. So then I was in a fix, for I couldn't go to father, didn't know just where he was, and I wouldn't sneak back to Smithers to be abused. Tried to make him take me at the riding school, but they didn't want a boy, and I traveled along and tried to get work. But I'd have starved if it hadn't been for Sanch. I left him tied up when I ran off, for fear they'd say I stole him. He's a very valuable dog, ma'am, the best trick dog I ever see, and they'd want him back more than they would want me. He belongs to father, and I hated to leave him, but I did. I hooked it one dark night and never thought I'd see him again. Next morning I was eating breakfast in a barn miles away and dreadful lonesome when he came tearing in, all mud and wet, with a great piece of rope dragging. He nodded and come after me and wouldn't go back or be lost, and I'll never leave him again, will I, dear old feller? Sancho had listened to this portion of the tale with intense interest, and when Ben spoke to him he stood straight up, put both paws on the boy's shoulders, licked his face with a world of dumb affection in his yellow eyes, and gave a little whine which said as plainly as words, "'Cheer up, little master. Fathers may vanish and friends die, but I never will desert you.' Ben hugged him close and smiled over his curly white head at the little girls, who clapped their hands at the pleasing tableau, and then went to pat and fondle the good creature, assuring him that they entirely forgave the theft of the cake and the new dinner pail. Inspired by these endearments and certain private signals given by Ben, Sancho suddenly burst away to perform all his best antics with unusual grace and dexterity. Bab and Betty danced about the room with rapture, while Mrs. Moss declared she was almost afraid to have such a wonderfully intelligent animal in the house. Praises of his dog pleased Ben more than praises of himself, and when the confusion had subsided, he entertained his audience with a lively account of Sancho's cleverness, fidelity, and the various adventures in which he had nobly borne his part. While he talked, Mrs. Moss was making up her mind about him, and when he came to an end of his dog's perfections, she said gravely, "'If I can find something for you to do, would you like to stay here a while?' "'Oh, yes, ma'am, I'd be glad to,' answered Ben eagerly, for the place seemed homelike already, and the good woman almost as motherly as the departed Mrs. Smithers. "'Well,' I'll step over to the squire's tomorrow to see what he says. Shouldn't wonder if he'd take you for a chore boy, if you are as smart as you say. He always has one in the summer, and I haven't seen any round yet. Can you drive cows? Hope so. And Ben gave a shrug, as if it was a very unnecessary question to be put to a person who had driven four calico ponies in a gilded chariot. It mayn't be as lively as riding elephants and playing with bears, but it is respectable, and I guess you'll be happier switching Brindle and Buttercup than being switched yourself, said Mrs. Moss, shaking her head at him with a smile. I guess I will, ma'am, answered Ben, with sudden meekness, remembering the trials from which he had escaped. Very soon after this, 
he was sent off for a good night's sleep in the back bedroom, with Sancho to watch over him. But both found it difficult to slumber till the racket overhead subsided, for Bab insisted on playing she was a bear and devouring poor Betty, in spite of her wails, till their mother came up and put an end to it by threatening to send Ben and his dog away in the morning if the girls didn't behave and be still as mice. This they solemnly promised, and they were soon dreaming of gilded cars and moldy coaches, runaway boys and dinner pails, dancing dogs and twirling teacups. End of chapter 4